hey, I can see you now. See stuff like that. You'll lock up again in like 15 seconds. Oh, man. <laughs> but now, at least for now, I can see you scratching your eyebrow. <laughs> I'm going to try to make a good face. So when it pauses, it'll be like on a. Okay, go ahead. I'm just going to talk like it, this. It just paused. So I've got a nice smiling face. Yeah, you did it. Perfect. Way to go. Okay. Welcome into The Harvest. This podcast is dedicated to helping you be a disciple and make disciples in the 21st century. My name is Andrew Stroud. I am the project lead for Into the Harvest, and I'm joined today, as always, by my friend Abigail Wilson, who is our editor-in-chief for the Into the Harvest website, and especially for our blog. And Abby, this week, you've actually got a new article that just posted. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and why folks should check it out? Yeah. So um, actually, just last week on this podcast, we alluded to the fact that I had a pretty um, intense little hiatus that we took for about a month. Um, And so that article actually kind of addresses some of the hardships that I faced, um, but really much more important, um, just what it taught me about Christ's love for us, uh, the love of the body of Christ, and then even more so how we are supposed to love the lost. Um, So hopefully it will be um, encouraging and uh, inspirational to those who get to read it. We hope you will read it and uh, share it with your friends. Uh, You made me sound really cool calling me an editor-in-chief, but um, (laughs) we promise that it's just, we're just doing the same things you guys are doing. So hopefully that article will um, be an encouragement to you guys. Yeah. I'm sure it will be. And obviously, folks may only know this show, the podcast, uh, the YouTube channel, but we do have the website. And pretty much every week or two, there's a new article coming out over there. You put a lot of work, so you definitely deserve, you've earned the editor in chief <laughs> oh, title. <yeah>. So, <laughs> yeah. No. Well, we, yes, we have a lot of great resources and a lot of really great archived articles. Um, so, there's a topic that you're interested in. You can always search at the top of our website, and hopefully, a lot of great resources will pop up for you. Uh, so, yeah, you should check it out if you haven't already. Absolutely. Well, let's dive into today's show, and we're going to start off with our listener question of the week, which comes from Alex, and Alex left this as a comment over on our YouTube channel, and it was on a video that we did, uh, a disciple tip video that we did on how to start your day with God, and Alex asks, how can you believe in a perfect holy God when modern scholars revise the Bible over and over again? A perfect and holy God would have a perfect and Holy Bible. So Abigail, what do you think about this question? And like, what, what would you say to Alex? Gosh, I would be like, Alex, have you talked to my friend, Andrew? Is that a really great answer? <laughs> yeah. I want you to go first on this one. Okay. Well, I mean, I think this is similar and, and I actually did respond to Alex in the comments. Okay. So hopefully it was helpful. I don't know. <laughs> Um, But I think this is similar to the objection that you'll sometimes hear people make of how can a good God who is all powerful allow evil in the world? And so it's sort of like a reverse way of kind of building backwards an argument against God, or at least God as we understand him. So in this case, the um, 
the objection is, well, the Bible is clearly flawed and God is supposed to be perfect and God is supposed to be the author of the Bible. Therefore, how can you believe in a perfect and holy God when the scriptures are obviously not perfect? Um, and I would actually say in a sense, it's, it's, it's similar to that argument of how can you believe in a good, all-powerful God if the world, if there's evil in the world? Um, it's similar in the sense that it's, it's kind of reverse arguing against God. But I think it's different in that I, I don't think that the Bible is full of errors or is, imper is imperfect. But I guess it, it depends on how we understand that, uh, that idea of uh, perfect, uh, perfection. So mm -hmm. here, you know, the second part of his question, well, actually, it was the first part. He talks about modern scholars revising the Bible uh, yeah. over and over again. And part of his concern was, hey, you have so many different versions of the English Bible. Shouldn't there just be one Bible? And um, I think that that is a, it's a fair question to ask, but it, it sort of, it sort of mistakes why we have so many different versions of the Bible. Um, and so I would say that um, as, as a believer in a perfect and holy God, and also as someone who believes that the Bible is inerrant, um, I don't see the Bible as being <laughs> imperfect in the sense mm -hmm. that the, the Bible tells us, the Bible communicates, successfully communicates exactly what God wants us to know about himself, his character, the world that we're part of, ourselves, the human condition. The message of the Bible is perfect. God has been, God has successfully communicated to us what he wants us to know. Now, there, there's, two, there's two issues that I think are, are central to Alex's question. One is, well, hey, aren't there mistakes in the Bible? And there, there are differences. So, like, for example, um, sometimes there are numerical differences, or there are differences in genealogy. So there, there are um, clear instances where, even within the text of the Bible, um, if you read, you know, some passages are found in multiple places. And there are slight differences between, you know, one version and the second, even in, in the scriptures. Um, but that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about the inerrancy of the scriptures. Um, what we're talking about is that God has successfully communicated the message that he wants us to have. And even if there are these human flaws, um, they don't detract from the message itself. The message itself comes through. And so um, inerrancy, in my view, does not mean that the Bible is, that, the, that there are no textual errors. That's not um, what we mean by inerrancy. Um, what we mean by inerrancy is that the message that God originally communicated to his prophets and the apostles, the people who wrote the Bible, is the message that we have today, and therefore it's, it's trustworthy. Um, so that's the, um, that's the first thing I would say. The second part, I mentioned there were two things in there. The second is, well, why do we have so many English translations? And the, the reason for that is because language is, is a living thing. Language mm -hmm. itself is always uh, changing, morphing. And even with English, if you go back to the earliest English Bibles, they're very difficult for us to understand as modern English speakers because the English language itself has changed. So people aren't changing the core message of the Bible by updating to modern translations. They're, they're updating um, the translations to reflect how English itself has changed. So, I mean, that's what I would say, Abigail. Um, I'm so glad you went first. That was excellent. Well put. I, um, 
I do not, uh, these kind of things never bother me ever. So when people like Alex, who clearly um, is very educated or at least enjoys doing research or, you know, really wants to dig deep, I just, I love those types of people. I congratulate them on the way their brain works. Um, it's just entirely different from how my brain works. But what I would probably say in this case is like, man, like, can you give me this data about how the Bible's been changed? Um, like, let's right. just go over that together. Um, and as far as what you were saying about different um, like versions, translations, like it being altered over time, um, I actually really enjoy that about the Bible and different translations. Um, if anyone follows us on Instagram probably knows, I read a new translation version of the Bible every time I finish reading through the Bible. Um, and that really helps me being a you know, English major, somebody who really loves words. Um, it allows me to really dig deep in word choice. So, you know, that allows us to have, you know, clear thought and allow the Holy Spirit to work um, and speak to us about maybe a word choice or like if you're reading along and you get to something and you think, man, this doesn't seem to line up. That's okay. Like take right. a second. If right. you're having those feelings of this doesn't <laughs> seem to line up, take a moment, like do some research, figure out why these two gospels tell these two different stories a little bit differently. Like what, what was Matthew trying to get across and what, why is it different from what, you know, we see in John. And so those things will just continue to teach you. And if anything, just illuminate what the scripture is all about, which is pointing us to Jesus. So um, to me, it is not a problem. Um, I think if it is something that you struggle with and, um, you know, then just keep digging, keep, uh, keep right. understanding why, why scriptures are what they are, what are they here for? And, um, you know, if people start throwing like, um, various facts about the past, then look them up and make sure that you've got credible sources. Um, the internet is full of, uh, craziness. You probably know that already, Alex. So <laughs> anyway, that was a great question. Um, I yeah. love people who dig deep and, um, are not just happy with face values. So um, yeah, I'm glad you you went first, Andrew. See, I really would be like, hey, have you talked to my friend Andrew? Because <laughs> I'm well, not your girl. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if, um, like I said, we, we had an interaction in the comments. I don't know if it was helpful or not, but I, I do think yeah. that it's a fair question to ask. Yes. But, but we need to, you know, people like Alex need to understand, well, what is the Christian view Mm -hmm. And so what he would characterize as an imperfection in the scriptures, we do not see as, as some sort of disqualification for God. So just to take one last example, as we kind of wrap this up, you know, if you read yeah. the gospel accounts of the time of day when Jesus died on the cross, mm -hmm. you know, there's a difference between the, the, the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in terms of pinpointing the hour that, that Jesus breathed his last breath. And so if, if you look at that and you say, well, clearly that's an imperfection and therefore a perfect God cannot exist. That's just not the way we understand revelation. The, the, right. the message, the truth that's being communicated there is that Jesus did die on, yeah. on that first Good Friday. Um, and if two different writers had a different um, remembrance of the time of day, that does not cancel out the perfection of God. And so that's, that's, yeah. that's what I would say. Yeah. Um, 
but we we really do appreciate Alex and others leaving mm -hmm. comments on the YouTube channel. We do read those. We do try to yeah. respond. We try. Um, <laughs> if you have a, a question that you'd like us to address here on the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at intotheharvest.org or like Alex, you can leave a comment on the YouTube channel or message us through social media. Uh, Facebook and Instagram are the best ways to reach us. But um, we'd love to hear from you and we will answer it on the show. Okay, Abigail, our topic, our main topic for today's show has to do with preserving the purity and simplicity of the gospel message. And this is a topic that is near and dear to our hearts because we believe that as disciples, we're actually shaped and transformed by the gospel. So it's important to get it right. And then as gospel messengers, as messengers and ambassadors for Jesus, it's very important that we know what the message is and we want to be uh, effective at communicating it to others. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, a, I think this is an interesting topic because we can see the gospel as something that is, um, well, of course, we, you know, we know what the gospel is. Like we don't need to, we don't need to spend more time talking about the gospel, but that's actually not how I see it at all. I actually see the gospel as something that is constantly under threat. It, it's a message that's constantly needing to be refreshed in our minds. Do you, do you see it the same way or differently, this oh, topic itself? No, absolutely. I was so excited that we decided to make this our main topic this week because this is actually just something that I was just recently convicted on because I I think, like you said, we're like, oh, I now checked the block of knowing what the gospel is and you know how to present it, all those things. But even just a few weeks ago in our ministry, I was just convicted of how very sneaky like little things get added in of a sh of importance like value and importance of other things that are part of the christian walk just like creep in there and find their way to the top of you know right next to jesus died on a cross for my sins um so i i think this is really important for us as believers and especially those who want to be sharing the gospel um, that we are kind of come back to this a lot. I mean, I think even for you and I, just revisiting this topic is just really right. helpful for us to rebalance. So we'll be talking to ourselves today, you guys, because um, just going through uh, just some of these questions that we can ask ourselves, um, are we making sure that we're, we are not adding to um, subtracting from, you know, those types of things. So um, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, one of our default versus passages coming into this week's show as we were reflecting and, and preparing um, was out of Galatians chapter one. And it's so interesting because Galatians, many scholars believe Galatians may be the oldest of our New Testament books. There are 27 uh, books mm -hmm. in our New Testament. And even though Matthew is the first book in order, um, many scholars believe that perhaps Galatians, Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia is the, the oldest of those, of those books, of those documents. And so here you have Paul writing to the Galatian churches, probably within the first two decades of Jesus's death on the cross and his resurrection and his ascension. So 20 years after Jesus has been on the earth in the flesh. And if you look at chapter one, Paul's great concern is that the believers there in the churches are abandoning Christ for a different gospel. Mm -hmm. 
And so it's, it's very striking that this is something that's not a new problem, the, the challenge to maintain a, a simple and pure gospel. And I actually love verses six through eight there of Galatians chapter one. In the New American, Paul, he says uh, that he's concerned that they are turning away from Christ for, at first he says, a different gospel. And then he goes on to say, which is really not another, only there are some who want to distort the gospel. So you have a different gospel and you have people who are distorting the gospel. So, and then he goes on to talk about uh, a contrary gospel that even if he or someone that they knew and trusted presented a contrary gospel. And so I think uh, when, when we, when we give thought to the gospel, we can see that it can come under threat through different ways. So first it could be a completely different gospel that's being promoted, or it could be, it could be the, the real gospel and it's just being distorted. But either way, what you end up with is a message that is actually contrary uh, to, to the true message. So um, I think this is not a, uh, it's not a new problem. Um, it's something that has been from the very beginning of the New Testament. Yeah, and in some ways, it's kind of shocking that it's happened so quickly. Um, and so if we think that we've got such a handle on it, uh, let this be our, <laughs> our, uh, our little red flag that we, we also need to just be on top of, of, what, of what, that, what that means. So maybe we should just start with the gospel. <laughs> yeah. And this um, is... Just... <laughs> This is part no, of the, this is this is one of the difficulties, right? Is like, well, okay, well, what is the gospel? <laughs> so I, I know that just based on my own study, I've got a a simple answer for that. But what do you think, Abigail? Do you want to go first? Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, well, the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ that He was real, that He was a man who came down from heaven and lived a perfect life and that he died on a cross for my sins and your sins and after three days he rose from the dead conquering sin and death so that we could have a relationship with god so that is my personal version of the gospel it's all about just jesus like period his life his death his resurrection that's it yes i think I think um, one of the things that I, I try to communicate to others is that, first of all, I love that you said the, that the gospel is good news. It is. So mm -hmm. it's news. We need to understand yes. that first and, and foremost, I think. It's a message. Mm -hmm. And the, the scriptures often describe it in the New Testament. It's, it's often even just referred to as the word of the Lord. And there, you know, it, when you see that phrase, like in the book of Acts, they're not talking about the New Testament scriptures because those didn't exist yet. The word of the Lord is the message about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so it's news and it's, it's news that is specifically about a person. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that's good for us to realize is that even though the gospel message reveals to us the, the purpose of God and the plan of God for salvation, it's ultimately about the person of God's son, Jesus. And so we have to understand him if we're going to understand God's purpose and God's plan. And that may sound um, sort of, hey, that's, that's not a big point. I, I think it's actually a very big point because we can make a big deal about the purpose and plan of God for mm -hmm. our salvation and actually minimize the person of Jesus. He can get left out or pushed to the side, which at that yeah. point, you've got a distorted gospel. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's why I stopped there because there's obviously been 
you know, asking a question of the person, there is, there is the response that that gospel, you know, hopefully brings about, but those aren't actually the gospel part. Like that's what comes after that's the response, the action, but the good news about who Jesus is and still is to this day is really what can get lost in the sauce. And, and even for me, like I can say that, um, and I have said it many times, but often when you're talking to a, a real person, a real life person in real life world, um, it can like in a conversation, it can start to get muddled and we have to actually fight to get back to that truth. Right. Right. I once did a uh, workshop on this topic and I had the people that were there break into groups and we had um, four different puzzles. So each team ha had to put together their own puzzle and the puzzles represented the gospel message. And so our ability to put the pieces together in a way that makes sense that people could look at and say, oh, I see, I see what this puzzle is, is actually trying to portray. It, in a sense, it's a good way of picturing uh, what we do when we share the gospel is we're trying to put the, the puzzle pieces together for others so that they can see Jesus and, and the significance of his life. And, you know, I, I, I played a little trick on, on the people. Um, so, so there was one puzzle that you wanted to get because it was very simple, like maybe 10 pieces. This was like a, a three-year-old's puzzle. puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it had all the pieces. And so, of course, they're going to win. They're going to win the race because um, all they've got to do is put together this, this simple puzzle that has all the pieces. And then, then there was a simple puzzle that had mixed pieces. Um, and then there was a puzzle that had missing pieces. And then there was a last puzzle, which had like 500 pieces or something crazy. <laughs> so there were just two. I would have been super mad as a competitive person. <laughs> this is so unfair. Right. It was definitely a, a, a stack deck. <laughs> um, but I think that that sort of represents and helps us understand what are some of the challenges we face as gospel messengers that we want to have all the pieces. Um, we want to have the right pieces and we don't want to make it too complicated. We want to be able to, to put this puzzle together as simply as possible while remaining true. And so I think, um, I think that's what we're hoping that we can do. And that's one of the things that we hope that uh, our ministry here into the harvest can help people do is figure out what are those pieces and then how do you put them together? Yeah. So um, when we think about um, something you said earlier, there's, there's the message of the gospel itself and, and then there's the way that people need to respond to it. Um, because I, I actually do think that that is, that's part of the gospel itself, that the gospel is, it is a message, but it's not just information. Um, and that's something that I think in our, our modern world, we can, we can lose sight of, we can see it as, well, as long as you know the right facts about Jesus, you must be a Christian, but that's, that's not necessarily the case, is it? No. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, I think that's uh, another thing that we today in the modern world are struggling with because um, just, and, it may, and this is something you've talked about quite a bit of just how 
um, the way humans think um, has changed. Uh, we've added science into the mix. We've added just a lot of knowledge. And so people feel very educated and already on top of things. And so we don't have as much of a mystical element of, you know, like sin and, um, and our need for God, but it's still inherent in humans. Um, and so we shouldn't get too discouraged, I think, as far as, um, as explaining to people their need for this gospel. Mm -hmm. um, it, it doesn't take long to see that people are still broken um, and still in search of an answer. Some of them have already come up with an answer that they're happy with, but there's a lot of people that know that they have cracks in their solution. Right. So right. I think that's really the beginning of, of being able to present the gospel. Yeah, something I, um, I believe deeply is that, that, that the beauty and the brokenness of the world both point us to God. So oh, you can like go that. outside, you can be in nature, and you can just see this amazing, or you, you can go out at night and, and look at the, the night sky and mm -hmm. see all these stars, and you're just overwhelmed by the beauty of creation. Mm -hmm. And and that points us to God. It points us to a creator. But we're also very familiar that this world is, is very broken. Mm -hmm. And there are days and there are instances where we realize like, man, this, this place is messed up and I'm messed up uh, and the people around me are messed up. And that too should point us to God that, mm -hmm. that there's a need for a savior. And so uh, both the beauty and the brokenness of our world point us to God as creator, God as rescuer or savior. Mm -hmm. And that's really where, I mean, Jesus is actually involved in both of those. As you studied the scriptures, he was there at the beginning. Um, he was instrumental in the creation and he's also, he also shows up at the core moment in the story as the rescuer. And so, you know, earlier I, I was saying that I had a, a, a kind of a working definition of the gospel. And so uh, I'll share that because I think it fits with, with this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And it, it, for, for me, the gospel is God's message of good news concerning his son, Jesus. And you could just stop right there. You could say, that's it. it it's, that's what the gospel is. It's, it's God's message concerning his son, Jesus. But you could also go on and kind of expand on that a little bit. And you could say um, who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. That's what the message tells us. Um, what he has done what he is doing and what he will do and how we can be a part of it. The gospel is a message that really answers all of those questions. You know, who is Jesus? What has he already accomplished? Um, what is he doing in the world today? What is he going to do in the future? And then how can we be a part of it? Like the gospel, when we're communicating the gospel in a simple and um, faithful way, those are the questions that are being answered for people. Yeah, that's really good. So what are the, for you, do you think are the top things that people, you know, from that Galatians verses that we saw, like today, how are we distorting the gospel? How, what do you think is, are the big things that are happening there? Yeah, I think, um, I think one of the big ways that we're distorting the gospel is, we've got the wrong pieces um, in, of the puzzle. So rather than even trying to direct people's attention and, and present a clear picture of Jesus himself, we've substituted some other um, focal point, whether that's morality, ethics, 
um, politics as, as believers, you know, there are all kinds of things that when we begin to speak on behalf of God, rather than directing people towards Jesus, it's almost like we've got a totally different puzzle that we're, we're trying to present people with. Um, and all of, we might even be giving them a true puzzle, but it's not the good news that uh, scripture is telling us about Jesus. And, and I think a lot of the topics that we address on, on the show have to do with um, understanding those alternative puzzles that mm. not just our culture, but our, our Christian subculture is choosing yeah. to focus on and either doing away with them or putting them in the right perspective that, hey, even if this is a true thing, mm -hmm. it needs to be subservient to the, the bigger mission, the, the better news about uh, Jesus. So I, I think that's, that's what I would say. I think we've got, um, going back to that example of the four puzzles, mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest things that I see happening is that we're just, we've got the wrong pieces in the puzzle that we're trying to put together. But what about you, Abby? What, what do you think are some of the great threats of today? Well, I, you totally nailed quite a few of the ones that, that I think of immediately. I mean, even it's kind of perfect because in Galatians, we see Paul talking about um, just this idea of, of the religiousness that was being brought in from the Jews um, that we, you know, don't, you know, you don't have to be circumcised if you're not a Jew and well, back and forth. And um, I, I see that today too. Uh, there's a religious aspect to our faith that can just really creep in uh, where, you know, even with a very um, willing and able heart, we go out and instead of preaching the good news of Jesus, we preach the good news of our church or mm. of our political party that is, right. you know, much more in line with Jesus. Um, which maybe it is, but we're, we've got to start with Jesus. So um, I, I think that it's it's less about, well, maybe it's not, but it to me, it was less about distortion and more about we have become distracted by addressing the issues of the day um, versus actually presenting Jesus. Um, you know, mm -hmm. we're on the defense instead of the offense. Um, and so we're constantly bringing our like one-upping against the world um you know well we should also have a rock concert because that's what all the kids are you know just <laughs> where we are just trying to just fight the battle wrong i guess is right how i've seen it so but i love the puzzle analogy i think we should stick with that as we go through each one so that was <laughs> that was the different puzzle pieces right. so you also had you added or took away puzzle pieces yeah there were missing pieces yeah um where we just don't there are very important aspects of this message about jesus mm -hmm. that that just get left out um uh, something you said I, I really agree with though and i think this is one of our great challenges as gospel messengers because that's really how i would like us to think about things uh, on today's show is we need to know the message um and then we need to learn how to communicate the message effectively in the world that we're all a part of, because mm -hmm. that's what a faithful messenger does. He, he's, he, he or she has the right message and they're, they're effective at communicating it. And so um, I, I want to set that more as an aspirational goal for people than to say like, Hey, you've got to have the gospel completely 100% nailed down 
And you've got to be this gifted communicator before you begin sharing. No, I mean, start sharing it right now um, to the best of your ability, but then, you know, deep in your understanding of it. And you're almost moving in opposite directions because Mm. you're wanting to deepen your understanding of the message itself, the message about Jesus, the good news. Um, But you're wanting to be able to, from that depth, pull out the simple truths that are relevant to the people you're having those conversations with. Um, And I think that's the exciting challenge of, of being a gospel messenger in 2021. Yeah, I agree. And I'm glad you said that because even as you were saying it, I was like, man, I'm really not (laughs) great at doing this, but I think that's, that's how we should all feel. Right. I mean, um, I, I think it does, it never fails to, um, to just humble me uh, when I do have the opportunity to share, because, you know, even if it goes poorly, just to know that it's really just a a matter of the Holy Spirit and what um, is the Holy Spirit going to do in that moment? We're just opening the door for the Holy Spirit to work um, and just trying to be as truthful um, and clear as, you know, like we've been talking about having all the puzzle pieces there. Um, But I think that the the, what you just said is probably the most important thing that any of us can do and which, but we also forget a lot. And this is where I was really um, convicted when we just started this whole conversation was that we have to spend time with the gospel for ourselves. Even if you have been a Christian for, you know, 30 years to just spend time realizing what Christ has done for you mm-hmm. and for me um, just like really saturating ourselves in that will make us really a better communicator of it because it's authentic for us. This is my story. Like, this is what Jesus has done for me. I am living it. And so you can really say whatever you want. It's my life. Like he is, I have a relationship with Jesus. So, you know, it can feel complicated. You can hear people like Andrew you know, give it so succinctly and you can feel all sad and pitiful that you didn't come up with it so beautifully, but don't worry. Like if you just know your story and your relationship with Jesus well, and you can, you know, weed through all the mess and see the true like gospel of, of your story with Jesus. I I think that's where it starts. And that's what I often forget about. So um, I think I think you really nailed it in the sense that we need to spend time as believers with the gospel. And if we don't have a clear picture of that for ourselves, um, then that's let's get back to it. Yeah, question. I think we we should no, it's good. It's good. Um, and that's why your personal story is so important because you know, if you think of the gospel as just theory, as just theology, um I mean, it's really, you could go so deep into that. And, and that's why pulling back and just seeing your own story and how the gospel changed your life, what, mm-hmm. what, what were the, the, the salient truths that, that really grabbed you? And then how did you respond to that can really help you sort of regather, you know, your, your, your place and, yeah. and, and, and not be overwhelmed. I think that a couple of, um, we'll go ahead and wrap up here. Um, I think a couple of things that can help folks first is just a question that you can ask yourself as you share with others is, um, 
And when you share as a messenger of God, do people come away with a clearer picture of Jesus, a better understanding of, of who Jesus is and why he matters to their life? I think that's just a simple question that you can ask to, to try to figure out, am I sharing the good news the way that I want to, the, the way that God would want me to? Um, so am I, am I giving people a clear picture of Jesus and helping them understand why he matters to their life? That, that's, that's sort of the, the goal of sharing the message about Jesus. Um, and that can be a really challenging one because what you may find is that you shared some really good stuff, some, some, some good wisdom, yeah. um, and Jesus didn't really become any clearer in someone's, in someone's mind. Um, so that's one thing I would, I would want to leave folks with. And then the second thing that I would say is that you really do need to go deeper into this for yourself. And we've got some resources that can help you do that over at the website. We'll link those. Uh, in the comments or in the description of this video. And we'll also try to put those in the uh, the show notes for this episode if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So hopefully that, um, you know, we could talk about this for another two or three hours. Um, <laughs> but we'll have some resources that you can continue to dig into um, simplifying the gospel so that you can learn how to share it more effectively. You know, Abby, any, uh, any final thoughts for you about the importance of the gospel and, and sharing it effectively? Yeah, I, I think that uh, if we just muddle the whole thing, but we somehow point to Jesus, then we, we can feel good about that. Um, and I, I think I say that also from a pride humility standpoint too, that I can get very caught up in just being like mm. just the most rock star at sharing the gospel. Um, but it really has to be the Holy Spirit at work. And so we just want to be a part of his work that he's doing. We want to show up and declare and point to Jesus because that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what we are called to do as followers of Jesus. So um, I think finding a way to do that so simply that even our kids can do it, um, that has always been our goal. Um, so if my two-year-old can kind of succinctly tell you about Jesus, then um, I think we all have a place to start. So let's, we can, you can probably do it too. And I, I think just spending some time with that question that you said, Andrew, is great. Um, and man, that's a great start. And we could probably spend another two hours on that, so. Yeah, no, I like that picture of trying to trying to communicate it as simply as as your young child because I do think that that's that's one hundred percent possible. All right, well, Abigail, we have another ambitious show today because for our faith and culture segment, we want to talk about expressive individualism, and I'm going to take just a minute or two <laughs> to kind of read through this to sort of kickstart our time. Expressive individualism. My guess is that a, a good portion of our viewers or listeners are going to not necessarily know exactly what we're talking about. So, um, but we want to talk about here, <laughs> <laughs> but I think once we start describing it, people will be like, ah, okay, that's yeah. a really fancy way to describe something that I see all around me every day. Um, yes. Our goal in talking about it um, today is going to be specifically related to how it affects our discipleship as people who want to faithfully follow Jesus in a culture that is immersed in expressive individualism, and then also what it means for us as gospel messengers. So if we're talking to people that have this, this value of expressive individualism, 
how do we communicate the gospel in a way that is meaningful to them? So let me just start by uh, offering a few slogans to help people get their minds around what we mean by expressive individualism, because um, slogans are really sort of like a short code for the philosophy uh, in question. Mm -hmm. So here are a few slogans that really capture expressive individualism. You do you <laughs> is one of them. Another would be be true to yourself. Follow your heart. Live your truth. So all of these are just little slogans that capture the philosophy of expressive individualism. And, and there are really two major components to expressive individualism. First is that human beings are defined by their individual psychological core. So what defines you is who you are psychologically on the inside. So that's the first major component. The second is that you find your purpose in life to the degree that you express that core identity outwardly in your social relationships. So you can see why this is, this is so important because it gets down to the core issues of identity, who I am and purpose in life, why I'm here. And what expressive individualism says is um, you're defined by your psychological core um, individual as an individual. And then your purpose in life is your ability to live that outwardly. But a last dimension that's important to understand when it comes to this idea of expressive individualism is the idea that society, culture, traditions are, out, are all actively working to suppress people's effort to be true to themselves. And so the great enemy of expressive individualism is conformity to established norms. And so that sets up a, a tension and a battle where the truest and the bravest among us are the ones most willingly to go against the norms or who are most uh, outlandish in their defiance of norms. Mm -hmm. And uh, we talked about this just a little bit um, earlier this week that you know many Disney movies follow this plot line. Not, not that they're bad movies, but they follow this plot line <laughs> of, uh, of someone finding and forging their self-identity in opposition to um, the conformity that's being expected of them. And so the movie the Frozen, yeah. yeah, yeah, the man, exactly. <laughs> the movie Frozen is a great one. Um, we don't have to necessarily dive into that too much, but that's a, that's a little bit of just a, trying to capture what we mean by it. But the big question I would say, Abigail, is, well, how does this affect our discipleship as people trying to follow Jesus and our mission as messengers of the gospel. So what are your thoughts? Man, it, uh, it is over. I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed with the, um, with just how much this has creeped into almost everyone. Um, you and me are definitely in this. Um, yeah. uh, even, I mean, how I, I thought of a different one that I hear a lot that just drives me crazy is, um, well, she is, she, she shared her truth. Um, right. it's not right. her truth. Is it the truth or is it not the <laughs> truth? Like it really, it really gets me. Um, so I, uh, I think that this, um, is something that we as believers, I mean, even we think like, oh, as a Christian, I'm exempt from this, but it's really crept into Christianity to a huge amount. I mean, we talked about the Enneagram on our podcast, um, 
like earlier in the season. And that's a perfect example of how even as Christians, we're just obsessed with like learning about our character and our personality and um, how it can be used or not used for Christ. Um, and so I, I think that this all boils down to um, uh, to the Garden of Eden of wanting uh, something that we have been told we shouldn't have and thinking that we probably have a better idea of how to do stuff than God. Um, and so this really plays beautifully into that because this is all about glorifying and making man, uh, you know, just the the best is it you and like you said, the person who fights against the the man um, is the the real winner um, in the scenario. However, to me, the anecdote to what you just talked about, and I, I want to hear what yours is, but mine is in Matthew 16, 24. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Forever who would save his life will lose it. Whoever will lose his life will save it. That right there is just the absolute opposite of all the stuff that you just said. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it really is the opposite. You could almost yeah. pick any, like you could almost open your Bible, put your finger yeah. down and say, this is the opposite of of that what's yeah. being promoted by expressive individualism so yeah. so what what expressive individualism says is that you have to find who you really are and you look inward to find that so mm -hmm. once you find who you really are um that that is that defines you that 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 becomes your identity mm -hmm. um and yet we know that that our identity is based on being made in the image of god and yeah. then as followers of Jesus, our identity is rooted in him. We're, we're new creations made in the image of Jesus. So we don't look inwardly um, to find that. Uh, we're actually mm -hmm. turning our eyes up to, uh, to look at Jesus. And we want to, we want to fix our eyes on him um, so that we can truly mm -hmm. understand who, who we are. And then, you know, purpose in life, uh, same thing. Like, you're not going to find your purpose in life. You know, I mean, what, I mean, from my standpoint, like it's a really sad, shallow yeah. purpose in life to simply decide who you are and then live in defiance of mm -hmm. the society around you, the culture around you. Um, and so yeah. same thing, like, you know, your, your purpose in life is to actually be transformed by Christ and to live in fellowship with him and to live for him. You, believe me, you're going to be out of step with society, but but it will yeah. be for the purposes of bringing life and representing a higher a higher person and a higher calling. It's not just to to be yourself and to live your your truth. So yeah, it really is like a I would say a direct assault on on discipleship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on on being a follower of Jesus. Um, you know, even the twelve, you know, they were all pretty they were doing this. So that should make us feel better. I mean, they were like, well, which one's the best, you know, like which one was like, your favorite, you know? And so Jesus was constantly having to, you know, come at this with them. Like, what right. were you guys just talking about? Yeah. And what did like, he say? Ah. Yeah. You know, you did not choose me, but I chose yeah. you. Yes. Uh, so you're, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. So I wanted to say, um, uh, if you're listening to this, I mean, we're going to talk about this for like two minutes and that's very upsetting because right. there's so much to talk about. Um, but I uh, just recently discovered um, the Elizabeth Elliot podcast, which um, just, I think it was her granddaughter put together all of Elizabeth Elliot's um, talks that she did over the years and just put them into podcast form. And so I've just been 
living my best life with those podcasts. So um, she did a whole series called Abandonment of Self and she did not hold back. She got real brutal and it definitely hurt my feelings. So you should um, listen to it. It's really, really great. Um, And I think uh, this is um, something that we're all uh, combating, even if we don't realize it, um, right. just even with our own disciples and with ourselves. So uh, it's, it's a really good reminder. Um, and I, I didn't even know that that was a word, Andrew, until you put it into our notes. So I'm glad to know what it's called now. <laughs> oh, you mean the expressive individualism? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I didn't come that's up not with a thing sure. that Abigail knows. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we will have, uh, we'll have a link to that Elizabeth Elliott podcast and, yes. um, and we'll also have a couple of other links in there. If folks want to do a deeper mm-hmm. dive on expressive individualism, I guess just to wrap up, I would say, because we also want to talk about what does it mean for us as messengers of the gospel? Yeah. And I think that there is actually a hopeful note in this. And that is that, that people are confused about who they really are. And, mm-hmm. and all of us want to know, like we want to, to know our identity. Uh, who are we supposed to be? And so what expressive individualism has done is it said, you've got to go within to search that out. Um, and our message is to say, no, <laughs> you can yeah. find that in a much more trustworthy source by looking at the scriptures, looking to your creator the one who designed you and formed you, he's going to be the best place to look to find your identity. And then same thing, people like the the reason why expressive individualism is so powerful is because it taps into core needs that we have. Like we want to have a a clear sense of our identity and then we want to live a purposeful life. Um, And so people are looking for those things. And thankfully for us, the gospel answers those those questions and those needs and so we have a message that's directly related to what people are trying questions that people are trying to answer expressive individualism is, is just one way that people are trying to answer those those basic questions yeah i guess in some ways that is a a alternative gospel um because yeah. it's it's providing some sort of like fulfillment. Um, but we really do have the good news of you have a purpose and your purpose is to glorify God and point to him. Um, so I, I think it really, it really is the good news, isn't it? I mean, that's, <laughs> and yep. your, your identity is in Christ. So you're a new creation. Yeah. So we just, we've circled that one right around and we, we did not not purposely, but listen, so. these are really big topics, and and we do want to encourage you as you seek to live and share your faith in the everyday places of modern life. So we will have those resources. Also, if there are follow-on questions that you have for us based on what we've talked about on today's show, leave them in the comments over on the YouTube channel or post them on our social media. Uh, we'd love to interact with you guys. So thanks for joining us today and we'll be back for our next show soon. Thanks, Abby. Yeah, see you guys soon. Thanks for being part of our community. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can share it on social media with your friends, or you can support it directly by visiting our website, intotheharvest.org, clicking on the donate link and becoming a monthly giving partner. When you do this, you'll receive a thank you package with some great ITH gear. Thank you for supporting the show and helping our small team make a big difference for Jesus. It's listeners like you that make this ministry possible. 